it, it, and it sure has been a while, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, hey everybody, welcome back. We're Snescapades, a chronological journey through the North American Super Nintendo library with a few pit stops along the way. We play them briefly, we judge them harshly, we rank them. That is pretty much all you need to know. I am Steampunk Link. I'm Emmy Zero. And uh, hey everybody, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, we just needed a break last month, you know? It, it, it's the holidays. It's the holidays, people are busy, people are trapped by snow in various places. We, we took a break, and, um, you know, uh, during the break, we did actually do a couple of things. But we're back at it now, and we're ready to dig right back in. Uh, are you excited, Steampunk Link? I'm very excited, and I'm also very excited to talk about uh, some of the other shows we have been doing. Tell the, tell the people at home. I know, but you should tell the people at home what, what, what we've had going on. Oh, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them right now. So, yeah, for one thing, uh, the, the timing is horrible on this, but way back over Thanksgiving weekend, uh, I appeared on Trevor's podcast, Catching Up on Cinema podcast, to discuss a very strange movie called Blood Freak from 1972. It is a weird movie you can watch on uh, the Internet Archive, I believe, and we talked about it for a long time. Uh, that was a very fun conversation we had. Go check out Catching Up on Cinema, listen to my episode, and listen to all the other episodes, too, please. I was also very recently on an episode of Drinkipedia, which is a show about uh, drinking and talking about various topics. I, of course, talked about Nintendo, but not the Nintendo that we normally talk about on this show. I talked about very early Nintendo, like pre-NES Nintendo. That's how far back I was going. But uh, Drinkipedia is a very fun show. Uh, it is drunk history for the rest of the curriculum, I believe, is their tagline. So go check them out wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, we were both on an episode of the Namely 90s podcast, part of their 12 Days of Christmas specials. Uh, ours went up today. We're recording this on New Year's Day. And uh, yeah, ours went up on New Year's Day. Go listen to us talk about Power Rangers Zeo and listen to them, uh, I think, be very patient with me as I try to script doctor the Christmas episode of Power Rangers Zeo that was quite bad. The, the Power Rangers Zeo Christmas episode, uh, just to give you a heads up on what you're in for, Possibly the worst piece of Christmas media I've ever seen. And uh, I think you did you did some solid work in trying to figure out what a less bad version of that would look like. So uh, props to you for that. And um, yeah, it's a fun episode. You should definitely uh, the, the episode of, uh, of of the podcast, namely 90s, is fun. The, the Power Rangers episode itself, not so much. But the 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 thing we were on with namely 90s. Definitely go listen to that because it's a fun time. And that is just a good show overall that you should listen to if, if you're not already. Yeah, they, they had a bunch of guests on for their 12 Days of Christmas episodes, uh, including uh, Shalina from the Everything 90s podcast, who was on our special uh, for yes. the 200 episodes or 200 games on the list. I keep wanting to say 200 episodes. We're not at 200 episodes yet. We'll get there, but not yet. And uh, finally, we will be on uh, probably... Actually, I'm not entirely sure when it goes up. It might be up by the time this episode goes up. But if not, we'll let you know next time. But be on the lookout for a new podcast from Comic Jace of the Weekly Cooldown Podcast. His new show is called The Greatest Gaming Game Show Ever. Was that the title? You got it. Yeah. And we were contestants on it. Yeah. We competed against each other. Uh, not going to say who won because that would be spoilers and that would make me a jerk. But go listen to the show. Uh, see which of us... Uh, knows our video games better than the other. I, th I think that's everything for right now. So, uh, hey, you know, I mean, clearly we are very willing to be on other shows. So if you happen to have a podcast and uh, feel like, hey, I, I could use some folks to talk about things, let us know. You know, you can hit me up on Twitter at Snescapades or on Instagram at Snescapades and, uh, and talk to me. Start a dialogue, you know, uh, we'll we'll. We'll chat. I mean, we'll talk about more than video games. We'll, we'll talk about anything. You know, well, you got a podcast about the, the top 10 popsicle flavors of the 90s. Hey, we will be there. We will talk about that. So we are uh, still in the middle of, I believe, June 1993. We decided, hey, we need some real big names, some real big games here for, yeah. to come back from our hiatus. And we got some heavy hitters here, folks. We've got franchises galore and those always make great video games they sure do we've got the blues brothers we've got 
the adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle and Friends. Yep, that is truly the whole title of of that game. I would say maybe the greatest crossover of all time right here. Blues Brothers and Rocky and Bullwinkle and Friends and Waldo. I mean, what are you going to do? It's the most ambitious crossover in entertainment history. Right here, today, we're going to do it. So, what do we have first? Why don't we go with blues brothers yeah okay that sounds good so uh so let's do it we're on a mission from god to talk about the blues brothers video game on the super nintendo and um i guess i want to start you you have history of course you're going to go into but um I, i would just like to ask if uh during the course of your your historical research for this you came up with an answer for why they were making this wave of Blues Brothers games in 1993. Because that movie was like a decade old at that point. More than a decade old, actually. Uh, yeah, more more than a decade old because it came out in 1980. This game came out in 1993. And I don't know why they decided to make a Blues Brothers game. It's very weird because they, they made a Blues Brothers game. It was it was on the Super Nintendo. It was on, I think, the Game Boy as well. They probably put it out for the Genesis also. They just somebody decided, here we go. Let's do a Blues Brothers game now. I don't get well, it. Here's the even stranger thing about this is that this is technically a sequel. Really? Yeah, this is not the same Blues Brothers game that came out for the NES, which also came out on like the Amiga, the Amstrad, the Atari ST, Commodore 64 and all those. Yeah. Yeah, this this is actually a um an adaptation of a game called The Blues Brothers Jukebox Adventure. Uh, that was what it was called in other territories, but over here the name just got shortened to The Blues Brothers and this particular game came out on DOS, Game Boy and the SNES. And yeah, I have no idea what possessed them to make all of these Blues Brothers games in the 90s, but uh, all I can say is that somebody over at... This is a Titus game, isn't it? Uh, yeah, somebody over at Titus, I guess, was either a very big fan or this franchise was just very available. I'm not sure which, but... Uh, Who can say? But um, let's go ahead and get into the history. Um, so so what, what's the story with the, the folks who made this game and, and where they come from? This is a game from Titus. Uh, they have come up before, but I don't think we've done a deep dive on them. But Titus was founded in Paris in 1985 by not the Blues Brothers, but the Khan Brothers, Harvey and Eric. Uh, their first game was called Alberta which was a Qbert variant for the Mantra Alice. The Mantra Alice was a clone of the Tandy TRS-80 MC-10, which itself was a budget version of Tandy's more fully featured TRS-80 color. Uh, The Alice was only distributed in France and seems to have only been available for a pretty short time. Uh, The system's entire gamography, according to Moby Games, only consists of eight games. So, uh, hey, don't miss our extremely limited series spinoff, Alice Capades, coming in. (laughs) No, we're not going to do that. No, I think most of those games are just derivatives of other more popular games uh alberta for example like uh not only is it just like a straight up cubert variant it's even got like the little star the asterisk oh between al and bertha that so. doesn't seem legal it <laughs> seems like that should be copyrighted but whatever uh anyway titus would go on to uh further popularity beyond france releasing several games throughout the 80s for the amiga amstrad and you know all those other computer systems that were oh so popular over in europe around that time uh even one that came out for computers and consoles specifically the Famicom and PC engine called Titan. Uh, In 1991, Titus acquired the gaming division of the Palace Group, uh, Palace Software, which had created games like the Barbarian and Cauldron series, which were also pretty popular over in the UK. The company would continue releasing games, mostly for computers, with a few console releases sprinkled in. The company saw a huge amount of growth in the 90s and started releasing in the US market. In 1998, the company acquired Blue Sky Software in California. In the following years, they would take over Interplay as well, who had fallen on hard times, as well as Virgin Interactive. Uh, according to Giant Bomb, the company was nearly the size of rival EA games around this time. My goodness. Things would go south quickly for Titus as they ramped up production and quality declined. Uh, One of your most infamous uh, 
poorly received games was 1999's Superman 64. That's right. Yeah, uh, Titus Games started reviewing poorly, sales dried up, and they needed to salvage things quickly. They shuttered Blue Sky in 2001, and Harvey became the CEO of Interplay, replacing former CEO Brian Fargo. Uh, even after canceling several projects and selling Interplay's dev studio Shiny Entertainment, it wasn't enough to right the ship. And by 2004, Titus would declare bankruptcy, and what was left of it was mostly sold off to other companies, including Interplay, which ironically would continue to limp along. But Titus was finished, and uh, their swift and meteoric rise in the 90s would only be the harbinger of an even hastier demise. The Titus story kind of takes us from, like, one, one you know, very, like, foundational era for video games through the 90s, and then um, almost up to kind of, like, the beginnings of, like, the modern game industry and how it's shaped now. Uh, I I didn't know that they were so huge, actually, or that they, like, owned Interplay. Like, that's remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah I didn't know that either. They were just kind of, like, one of these big companies that owns everything. I mean, and that's probably why they were so large, is just by the fact that they owned so many companies. Right, that yeah. were producing so many games, but... Yeah, as, as they sort of took over everything, it seems like the level of output was maybe just too much and, and they couldn't keep the quality up. I I don't know, but uh, it, it's it's interesting that they got so big so quickly only to just completely fall off the map. But yeah, so one of the things that they did was this game based on the Blues Brothers. Quote unquote based on the Blues Brothers. Well, yeah, we'll get into it. <laughs> the Blues Brothers is an amazing movie. That's actually uh, it's it's one of my favorite one of my favorite movies. Uh, it's a thing that I will put on just, you know, to cheer me up if I'm feeling bad. A lot of great jokes. One of the, the best car chases ever and uh, loads and loads of cameos from a variety of different uh, soul and blues musicians from, you know, the, the 20th century. And uh they, um, I feel like could have made some Blues Brothers games, you know, back in the 80s when the thing was still like kind of fresher. But I'm guessing based on the way this game is and how long after the movie this came out, uh, I'm betting the, the answer to the question you posed earlier is that this license was probably very available at the time. Yeah, and... I'm also going to assume that this license was grafted onto this thing very late in development. This was just a game that was ready to go, and they said, hey, what if we slap the Blues Brothers on it? Yeah, we can do that quite easily. And uh, this was the result, because, boy, this game is so generic. This could have been about anything. You could have even left, like, all of the musical accoutrement that this game has, like collectible records that are... Also, projectile weapons and jukeboxes and things like that. And just made this about, like, any semi-music-related franchise. Like, yeah. this could have been the Wayne's World game. This could have been a, a Beavis and Butthead game. Yeah, could have been a Bill and Ted game. Anything, yeah. really. The, the only thing you would need to change would be the sprites for the characters you play as and the music. And even the music, you wouldn't really need to do that much to because it only kind of just barely contains like the tunes for like several existent blues songs. So, yeah. It's a game for sure. Uh, so Blues Brothers, it's a side scrolling action platform game. It can be played. Uh, one player or two player co-op, which is kind of unusual. Yeah, that, that's kind of neat, though. That's kind of a cool thing, actually. You select uh, either Jake or Elwood Blues. Then you go through a variety of, well, I say variety of levels, but there's really only kind of two different sets of background tiles in this game. There's like a warehouse and there's a woodland forest. There's a few others. It's just that some of them are just gradients. This game isn't so long that, like, you couldn't have just... I mean, you could have at least had all the warehouse levels in, like, one clump in a portion of the game and just make it like, oh, hey, we're going through the warehouse part now. But there is yeah. no story here. It's just... It is a platonic ideal of the 2D platformer. It just exists as a 2D platformer. There is no story or, or embellishments at all for why you're going from point A to point B. You just are. And uh, this is where I have to admit something kind of embarrassing. I I have never been much of a movie watcher, uh -huh. so there are a lot of gaps in my, in my movie knowledge. I have not actually seen this movie. Um, but from this video game, I feel like 
sentient bear traps were a big part of the movie. Is that is that something that, that happened? I, I mean, that is actually accurate. They are all over that movie, just like they are the game. So, you know, no, they're not. No, no, there's nothing in this game. Like, I don't know. They, the least they could have done was have like Carrie Fisher show up with a rocket launcher to try to kill them at some point. I will say the Blues Brothers in the movie do spend a fair bit of time kind of stranded in the countryside. That does happen. Uh, you know, and, and they jump off a bunch of springboard mushrooms. Yeah. And there's spikes everywhere. You know, okay. some some, you know, moving, moving planks of wood in the sky. No, like, I don't know. This is like, you know, when we played the Adams Family game, that's that's a pretty good game that does actually try to do something, you know, that that looks at least mostly like the license that they're using. But, uh, you know, it did have those really generic, just sort of googly eyed enemies. And that that whole thing is all over this game, too. Like these are really like there's a bunch of just like bugs and like woodland creatures and things. They're all out to kill you for some reason. They all just look like they're from like some, you know, third rate Saturday morning cartoon from the 80s. It really is interesting to look at this game because you really do have to wonder, like, was this built with the idea that we are just going to find a license to put onto this thing? Or was this just going to be its own game before they got the Blues Brothers license? Yeah, it's a great question. Like, I could see I don't know if anybody really did this outside of like the Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle and that whole thing. I could absolutely see like a version of licensing an IP for a video game where you just make a game and then you just sub in whatever license you want for it. I don't know. It still doesn't count. But the only thing that even seems like something you would absolutely need to change to make this not a Blues Brothers game is is genuinely the music. But uh, there is a thing here where you can kind of go into like a super mode where you kind of hulk out of your suit and turn into a big muscly version of a Blues Brother. uh, And you the, there's a really bad tinny voice clip that's like rock, rock, rock and roll, <laughs> uh, which I love that. That's really good. Yeah, they say it constantly. <laughs> they sure do. Yeah, the sound effects in this game are, are pretty bad, honestly. Yeah. Uh, they're really plonky, you know. This game plays OK, though. I mean, it plays better than you might think, given how much bad stuff we've said about it so far. Well, yeah, and, and that's the thing about it that really makes me think that somebody just made a game first and grafted the franchise onto it after the fact, because yeah, you, there are like some pretty solid 2d platformers fundamentals happening here. Like the sprites aren't huge trying to, you know, like they they did a good job of taking the blues brothers characters and, and squishing them down into sprite form that makes sense on the resolution of a super Nintendo screen you know, unlike something, I don't know, say Wayne's World <laughs> they uh, yeah, didn't do yeah. that. Uh, for the most part, I think the level design here is pretty good. The stages are fairly short in a lot of the times and, and sometimes they get a little bit wonky. I I had some issues with uh, stage three where you have to do some semi precise platforming that was pretty annoying to, to get right. But other than that, I had a pre- pretty breezy time through a good chunk of this game. You know, you you collect a lot of things to throw projectiles at enemies. You're rarely ever running out of projectiles, except for in levels where they they deliberately aren't giving you any because they're wanting you to avoid enemies rather than shooting all of them, which, you know, hey, fine. There there is some solid stuff happening here. And for as generic and, and milk toast as this all is, I'd have an okay time recommending it, um, you know, to, and just to say, hey, you know what? Playing this probably won't ruin your weekend. Until I got to one of these weird levels in which you're being followed by a dragon. Now, I know from watching a long play, you are supposed to ride this dragon through the level. I could not figure out how to actually mount the dragon. I could grab the dragon like and, and throw it, but I couldn't actually ride it. Or I, I think I did at one point, but I only stayed riding it for a, a couple seconds and I couldn't actually get through the level. I could not find an instruction manual anywhere online for this game, so I don't know how those controls are supposed to work. There is not a fact that I could find about this game, so I couldn't even get any information about it there. 
so yeah, I just kind of hit a brick wall at that point. I wasn't sure how to proceed. Yeah, I didn't get to the dragon level. I had some trouble earlier on, uh, specifically with a a uh, level where you have to kind of. I think this was probably the level you were referring to with the very precise platforming, where um, the thing I got stopped by was a thing where you are trying to navigate. Uh, through these like floating platforms over a spike pit and there's a ball with spikes that is sort of rotating around the the platforms and uh, very hard to not get hit by the ball and you get some brutal knockback into the spikes with very little way to like get out of the spikes before you die that's the bit that stopped me up so the controls are all right, but uh, they're not they're not fantastic. They're sort of like Mario ish, I would say, but without a lot of the kind of like fine control and and nuance that you get in a Mario game. And um, they do ask, I think, too much of you too fast in this game, but it's also not a hugely long game. So I can't really say that it's like a, a completely unreasonable difficulty ramp up. But yeah, I don't know. It's just so generic that like, I don't know why you would play this game other over so many other platform games on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, the fundamentals are there, but this really needed a little bit more fine tuning to be a good, like a, a really good, solid, recommendable platformer. And even then, like just, the the weird way in which they don't use the license that this game is based on uh, ostensibly is just bizarre and and it isn't horrible but it's it's not great. You shouldn't really introduce like a a one off stage mechanic that's completely inscrutable like that dragon thing either. That's just yeah. Not, well, I not I think it choice. comes. I think it comes back once or twice, but okay. Yeah, it's it's Even still so, just yeah. Yeah, and what a bizarre thing to just throw in there out of nowhere. Like, were there dragons in that movie? I don't think there there were. There were no dragons in that movie. It's like a Chinese dragon, too. Like, I don't know. It's, It's very strange that it shows up here. I guess we got to figure out where this goes on the list. Uh, I've, I've been talking a little bit, you know, I've, I've mentioned Wayne's World a few times. Yeah. I feel like that might be a good place to start, but I cannot remember where Wayne's World is on this list. Oh, Wayne's World's pretty low, actually. We got Wayne's World at 181 on the list. Oh, so, yeah, way down. Okay, all right. So, so we, we did not like Wayne's World that much, as it turns out. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's a bad game. So. It is a bad game, yeah. Yeah, uh, I um, think this is I, a better game than that. Probably, it's more playable. Certainly, yeah. Honestly, this is Wayne's World's actually a little bit lower than I thought. So maybe Wayne's World, I, I, that might be an unfair pl- place to start for this game. To, to be honest, I was kind of thinking more along the lines of something like Lethal Weapon or Tom and Jerry. Which, again, this game could have just been a Lethal Weapon or Tom and yeah, Jerry I game. Would, I would say so. Um, yeah. So where where are those games? Where uh... um, they're at one hundred one and one hundred two right now. Okay. So I think I would not say I think this is better than Tom and Jerry. I think Tom and Jerry was both a better use of its license and a game that played better than this. Okay, all right. Um, I don't know if I remember enough about Lethal Weapon. Honestly, Lethal Weapon is kind of like this game in that it's like a very generic platform game that that seems to only... I mean, uh, the the one thing I guess I, you can say about Lethal Weapon is that it does at least all seem to take place in a city. Yeah, I do think that they did a better job of actually like setting it in the world that is recognizably something you would think of when you think of Lethal Weapon. But it's also a very generic platform game. Like, I don't know that I could really say Lethal Weapon plays better than this or anything. Yeah, I remember Lethal Weapon being kind of frustrating in ways that, like, even Blues Brothers wasn't for the most part. Well, Lethal Weapon had a thing that was really bad where it had these kind of big, very, very tall, vertically sprawling levels that you would have to kind of ascend through. And then you could fall down basically to, like, the beginning of the level and have to go through it again. That's super annoying. At least you can say the Blues Brothers levels are better laid out and a lot shorter than that. So, yeah. So that's something it it definitely has over it. Okay, so maybe this maybe this goes between Tom and Jerry and Lethal Weapon to be our new 102. Yep, I'd be good with that. All right. So congratulations. The Blues Brothers are new 102. Um, That feels right. A very solidly mediocre game right there in the middle. Very middle middling place. Yeah. 
Yep. All right. Well, I guess with that, we will move on and talk about uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle and friends and the adventures of those things. Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, I don't know. What, what do you think of Rocky and Bullwinkle? Do you like it? Um, you know, I recently watched an episode, and I, I have not seen it in a long time. I remember really not liking the show as a kid when, like, reruns would come on. Yeah, same. Same here, yeah. And I think I realized why. Like, this show has very adult humor, and I don't mean, you know, like, it's raunchy or, or uses, you know, like, a lot of, you know like kind of wink wink hey this one's for the adults kind of like animaniac style humor. right yeah but just like all of it's gonna sail over a kid's head for the most part yeah no it's a clever show yeah it, it's it is very clever but almost to its detriment for a, a children's show like it, uh-huh. it's a lot of wordplay a lot of puns that aren't that, that a lot of kids probably aren't going to know a lot of cultural references that not only would kids probably not have been quite as aware of as their parents but they definitely aren't now because they're all references to things from the early 60s. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about the history of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Since uh, this game was made by Absolute Entertainment, and uh, we've talked about them. Uh, yep. We talked about them back in episode 59, I believe, when we talked about toys. Yeah, and uh, and it was actually, is, uh, it, was, it was developed by Imagineering, um, which we have also talked about. Because they've done a bunch of these licensed games that we have played. Uh, the Home Alone games. Uh, they did the Super Nintendo version of Race Drivin'. Um, oh boy. And, uh, yeah. Um, great track record there. Yep. And, uh, everyone's favorite, uh, NES licensed game, Bart versus the space mutants. Bart. I would rather play Bart versus the space mutants than any of the other three games you just mentioned for the yeah, SNES. Me, me too, actually. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Hey, let's talk about Rocky and Bullwinkle. Uh, so this was an American animated series that originally aired from 1958 to 1964 produced by J Ward productions in LA. The animation studio was founded in 1948 by J Ward and would mostly be known for Rocky and Bullwinkle, but would produce a few other series as well, like George of the jungle and crusader rabbit. You know, that classic character. Everyone lo- everyone knows and loves Crusader Rabbit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle are an anthropomorphic flying squirrel and moose, respectively, who are often called on to investigate and fight crime, often perpetrated by their fake Russian-accented adversaries, Boris and Natasha. The titular friends of Rocky and Bullwinkle and friends are characters like Dudley Do-Right and Sherman and Peabody, who star in shorts separate from Rocky and Bullwinkle's, which are interspersed throughout chapters in longer Rocky and Bullwinkle story arcs. Despite the show ending in the 1960s, Rocky and Bullwinkle remained relevant through uh, reruns on various cable channels like Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, and Boomerang. Uh, but despite their tenacity, there's never really been a successful attempt at reviving the series, with the exception of a 2000 live CGI uh, movie starring Robert De Niro and Rene Russo. Um, other than that, uh, there was a Dudley Do-Right movie and a Sherman and Peabody movie in 1999 and 2014, respectively, and a straight-to-Blu-ray Rocky and Bullwinkle short released uh, also in 2014. Wow. Uh, Nevertheless, the cartoon is probably still airing somewhere, and in 2013, TV Guide called it the sixth greatest cartoon of all time. Wow, I'm not sure I'd go that far, but okay. Yeah, seeing as how they were behind, like, Batman the Animated, or in front of Batman the Animated Series, I don't know if I would go that far either. But uh, they, certainly despite being as old as they are, without any, like, noteworthy revival to bring them back into the zeitgeist, people still know who they are, so they've still got that family fun center in Tuckwilla, Washington, if nothing else, so... So so weird. There you go. So weird. This game, it's uh, another licensed game. Yep, another licensed game, another uh, action platformer. This game's in an odd position because it exhibits a lot of the hallmarks of other Imagineering games that we have we have talked about and just that they have made that sincerely committed to doing something with the license. Uh, the actually the, the uh, sort of cut scene that 
starts this game is pretty funny in a very on-brand Rocky and Bullwinkle way. Yes, it's very meta humor. They introduce the plot where Boris and Natasha are stealing art exhibits. And then Bullwinkle comments, isn't this how our Game Boy game started, too? And yeah, and the narrator's like, uh, no, it's completely different. That caught me off guard. I was not expecting that. Like, I, I think that that sort of humor would almost be like like cliche and eye rolling today. But not back then. Like, you just didn't really see that kind of thing in in a lot of games back then. Yeah, it was kind of neat to see. Uh, it looks good. You know, the sprites are big, uh, probably too big, as we'll get to. Uh, but they have a lot of the character of the, a lot of the personality of, of the, the animation uh, in them. Uh, you know, there was clearly some, some effort put into this. Um, it is just a real shame about how it plays because it is a bad game to play. I was impressed with this when I was first starting it. You know, the there's the first level has you playing as Bullwinkle climbing a mountain. He grabs onto the side of the mountain and starts climbing and there will be things that get thrown at him. But you can dodge out of the way, which is not something I'd expect from a lot of games of this vintage. A lot of games just be like, well, you either need to like jump and then maneuver your way back onto the mountain or just take the hit or whatever. But um, they introduce mechanics here right out of the gate that make this a much more playable game. And, uh, you know, then there's parts where you're jumping from ledge to ledge, but this first level I thought was all right. Um, and like you said, it does look good. The, the music, the visuals all very on brand for Rocky and Bullwinkle. Uh, I remember there was a Rocky and Bullwinkle game on the NES as well that looked far uglier, but this. Oh yeah. That game's extremely ugly. This one's yeah. not though. Yeah. This one nails the look of Rocky and Bullwinkle and looks good doing it. There's like a, a, some projectile items that you can collect. And I always seem to have like usually just enough with a few extras to get through all of the enemies that I really needed to use projectiles on. So again, you know, the way that the game sort of doles out power ups feels very fair. And, and um, I never felt like I was being put in a position where uh, failing at any point was the game's fault. Then I got to the second level started out. Okay. You're in a cave, you know, there's some jumping, there's things jumping up out of holes. There's, a lot of very aggressive rocks that, for, for some reason, that uh, Bullwinkle can smash with his moose head. Um, then you get to a very persnickety platforming section in the cave, and it all kind of goes downhill from there. Yeah, basically a lot of the second level in this game involves you navigating across a bunch of moving platforms, hovering over bottomless pits that are just barely wide enough for Bullwinkle to stand on. Uh, Bullwinkle doesn't ha has some delay in his jumps and he's kind of slidey and his sprite is huge. Um, it's a bad combo. And uh, yeah, I would say that's the point where it becomes clear that this game is like borderline unplayable when they ask you to do anything more complicated than like what that first level has with, with the controls. And that's a real shame um, because yeah, this game does have quite a bit going for it. It's just all kind of undone by how it actually plays. Yeah. And I do feel like I could get to a point where I could get through that section easily, given more time with it and, and keep playing the game and it would probably be fun, but boy, that section is just really more frustrating than it ought to be for something so early on in the game. And, and at that point yeah. it, it stops feeling like it's my fault that I'm failing over and over again. Right. Um, you know, yeah. like sometimes you don't know like, okay, do I need to wait here for a platform to move into view or do I need to make a leap of faith? Um, like the platforms that are stationary make like this little dip when you land on them, but then some of them later on just fall completely and, once they've fallen, if you haven't moved on to the next platform, they don't reappear. So you kind of can't finish at that point. And you just have to, you know, jump off the thing, you know, kill Bullwinkle and start over. Right. And then if you make it through that level, the third level is one where you are uh, riding, riding a, a bunch of mine carts uh, and you have to make blind jumps out of the mine cart to the left or right to get into the next minecart, uh, which is down at like the bottom of a pit. Uh, and uh, it is not good either. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so 
Yeah, like like the kind of I I think sort of the normal imagineering standard. Pretty good first level. Uh, lots of ideas going on, but just clearly no clue how to actually make those into a fun video game. And uh, that's too bad, really. I would like to be able to recommend this game. If this were almost a more streamlined, like more a little bit more like the Blues Brothers game that we just talked about, this would probably be pretty good. Um, so, you know, yeah, once again, you know, I mean, both of these games that we've talked about today do have some solid things going on. But, you know, they have, they've got some things that I could really, you know, point at and, and say, this is pretty good, actually. Or this this is almost recommendable. But yeah, yeah, they, they, they both just do things that really mar the experience to the point where I don't even know if I can really recommend it in good faith. Yeah, anymore. it's yeah. These are both pretty disappointing in that way because they're. You know, I, I think we've we've talked about this sort of thing before, but like they're so close. They're, they're so, so close. close. Yeah. And then also there's there's uh, two mini games, I guess, uh, featuring Dudley Do Right and Sherman and Peabody, which uh, we both forgot to play. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, that's on us. That's our bad. Yeah, um, um, they're, they're, we just did not play. They're those. both available right from the title screen. We just both jumped into the main game and forgot to go back to check the other stuff. So uh, maybe those are good. Yeah, uh, but those are the and friends portion of this. Yes. So uh, truth and advertising, they are in the game. The, these are adventures and uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle and their friends are there, although there's no crossover ever with any of them. So are, are, are they really friends? I don't know. I don't know if they even know each other. It, it, maybe they should have called the show like Rocky and Bullwinkle and various other cartoon characters that are not strong enough concepts to hold their own show, but are fine if, as interstitial shorts yeah. uh, amongst larger story arcs. You know what, though? Garfield and Friends did the same thing because Garfield does not know the U.S. Acres characters at all. Yeah. And, and frankly, he, he doesn't need to like, you know. I mean, come on. Gar- Garfield's the star of the show here. The U.S. Acres character. Nobody's is watching like, that know. show for the egg or the pig or any of those people. You'll sit through U.S. Acres. You know, it's fine, it's fine but it's no Garfield. Know, yeah. Before we head over to the ranking, I want to hit you with this. I figured out, I think, what the ideal format for a Rocky and Bullwinkle game would be. A WarioWare clone. I like it. Yes. Yeah. Because that would actually replicate the pacing of a Rocky and Bullwinkle episode. And it would give you lots of chances to have like, you know, weird gags that are also playable in some way. Uh, But you wouldn't have to deal with like trying to, to make like a whole game that that carries off the Rocky and Bullwinkle thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that idea a lot, actually. That's really good. So uh, I guess let's let's find a place for for these folks on the list, huh? We did talk pretty harshly about the Blues Brothers, but then put it pretty firmly like in the center of our list. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Which, boy, I, I don't know if that says much for the bottom half of this list at this point. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm looking at the list and I'm not seeing a lot that are that 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 makes me reconsider that placement though. So. No, same. Uh, and you know what? I'm I'm kind of thinking might be a good place to start for this one. It's going to be uh-huh. a little bit lower. Um, I think I would rather give this one another shot before I would go back to James Bond Jr. at 128. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that sounds good. The other one I was thinking of that was a comp for me was Dragon Slayer, and. Um, you know, which it which is at one twenty three. So, were you thinking below Dragon Slayer? I don't know. I was just thinking around Dragon Slayer. I don't know if I really had a, a a feeling about whether it went above or below it, but just that they seem like they are kind of things that have similar issues. I will say, I think that like as you know, essentially a licensed game. I think Rocky and Bullwinkle is doing a better job with its license than Dragon Slayer. Because Dragon Slayer just basically like took the guy from the light from the the Laserdisc game and put him in a platform game without a lot of thought for like what what all went around him. Well, I mean, what is Dragon Slayer? It, what that game is comes from all of the weird creative ways in which the protagonist gets killed. Like that. yes, that's true. That's true. 
I think maybe we start from Dragon Slayer because, like, if if we decide it goes below Dragon Slayer, then we've got a pretty short window at that point, and and we'll probably be able to to zero in on where this goes. If it goes above Dragon Slayer, then you know, hey, then it's between that and Blues Brothers, probably. So right, this is really tough because like Dragon Slayer didn't really leave enough of of, of an impression on me. I feel like I got a little bit further in Dragon Slayer, though. I think I did, too, yeah. I might actually be willing to give Dragon Slayer the edge here. Mm, okay, I could do that. I could see that. I think maybe it's a more functional game than this. Uh, with what it has to work with, I think it's doing an okay job. So, okay, right below Dragon Slayer, we got Roadrunner's Death Valley Rally. I would probably give that the edge over Rocky and Bullwinkle as well, unfortunately. Yeah, I was I was maybe going to make the argument that Rocky and Bullwinkle could go above it just because the the speed of the Roadrunner makes him kind of an unwieldy character at times. But I mean, that is true. It's a bad choice for your platform game character to be wider than he is tall. I think it, it definitely nails the look of of Wiley e. Coyote and Roadrunner. You know, I mean, a lot like this game nails the look of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Although I would say imitating. Wiley e. Coyote and the Roadrunner is a much more impressive feat because if you go back and watch those Rocky cartoons, you know, yeah, they, they are they're they're kind of barely animated. Yeah, they were they were pretty rough. Um, they they were definitely made on a budget. And I do think that Rocky and Bullwinkle has better uh, gameplay variety than than Roadrunner's Death Valley Rally. Like the ideas are there, you know. Didn't Roadrunner's Death Valley Rally have that weird mechanic where, like, any time you grabbed a flag, that was a checkpoint, which could like lead you to accidentally checkpointing yourself further back Ooh. in the level? Isn't that? Was yeah, that, a thing? that was. That was, and it was pretty bad, honestly. Yeah. You know, on balance, I think maybe I would give. I think I, I probably would give Rocky and Bullwinkle the edge because I think that. I am more willing to engage with a a bad kind of Mario-like platformer than a bad Sonic-like platformer. My feelings exactly, because yeah, I I find yeah I find just the the basic mechanics of a good Sonic the Hedgehog platformer almost inscrutable. <laughs> so, like I like those games; those games work, but. Almost none of the ones that tried to imitate it are are really any good at all. So is this going to be our new 124? Yeah, I think so. It's probably the longest title of any game that we've played. Yeah, I mean, it literally is the longest title because I, I just had to expand the column. Oh, you <laughs> in did, Google yeah. Sheets, so. Um, yeah. <laughs> so congratulations to the adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle and Friends, the video game experience, our new 124 <laughs> I don't know if it gets any better from here, folks. Uh, <laughs> I don't either. Um, but let's go on. Let's let's see what we can find. Yeah, let's uh, keep keep your eyes peeled, folks. Uh, we're looking for Waldo. Where is he? We're gonna go on the great. Waldo search. Yeah, that's the game. The Great Waldo search. So what? What do we got here? What's going on with the Great Waldo search? Well, this game comes to us from THQ and developer Radiant Software, and there is very little information about Radiant Software on the web that I could find. Uh, they do not even have like logos on Moby Games, so there's just nothing about them. I, I can't tell you who they are, where they're from. What they did, as long as you love me. No, uh, I, I can tell you a little bit about what they did. They are credited with only five other games, which include the likes of Tailspin for the TurboGrafx-16. Oh, no! And Rollerblade Racer for the NES and DOS. Ooh, man, I have seen that Tailspin game get played. It is rough. Ooh. Like, it is real rough. Yeah, I think they were responsible for some other Disney game that only came out on the Turbo Graphics as well. But I think they did a Darkwing Duck game. Yeah. It was really bad. That was yeah. the one. Yeah, so like one of the worst you've ever seen, pretty much. Yeah. So instead of talking about them, let's talk about Waldo instead. So the Great Waldo Search is one of the books in the Where's Waldo series. This was a series of books that debuted in 1987, in which the titular Waldo, donning a red and white striped shirt and beanie, would be hidden in two-page illustrations full of different characters. The reader, using the term reader pretty loosely here, would be tasked with scouring the pages to find Waldo. 
the history of Waldo takes us across the pond to uh, the UK where he was originally named Wally. The name Wally denotes a sort of absent-minded kind of person uh, in British English that felt appropriate for the character. Not really a joke that translates to the US, so they renamed him Waldo, presumably because it's a funnier name, I I guess. It, I don't know. It's, it's a pretty but, funny name. Nobody has that name, yeah, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I, I didn't know that about uh, the name Wally over in the UK. Either, actually, yeah. I was real wooly, that one. <laughs> uh, anyway, Wally was created by author and illustrator Martin Hanford while working as a freelance artist. After the success of his first book, Hanford would create many more and flesh out Wally's world by giving him some companions like his friend Wenda, Dog Wolf, the wizard Whitebeard, and a nemesis named Oddlaw, which is Waldo spelled backwards. Uh, Where's Wally slash Where's Waldo became a cartoon series in 1991, though it only ran for 13 episodes, um, probably making it fodder for uh, the um, Cartoon Dumpster Dive podcast, if they haven't already talked about Where's Waldo. And a uh, a second, more successful cartoon uh, ran for 40 episodes in uh, 2019. Really? Wow. Is that right? Dang. Okay. There was an attempt to uh, make a movie in 2009 about the character, but that fell through. So apparently Waldo is still a going concern, I, I guess. Mean, I think it's a pretty timeless concept, honestly. You know, uh, you know, why would modern kids be any less likely to to be into this than uh, than, than kids when, when, you know, people our age were? Not only is he timeless, but he's he's kind of all over the world. Uh, as of the writing of a Guardian article in tw- uh, 2007, uh, the original Where's Wally has sold over 73 million copies worldwide and has been translated into 26 languages and published in over 50 countries. That's Zooks. And that's pretty much all I've got about, about uh, Waldo slash Wally. And I guess it's time to talk about this game, which is not going to take very long. Maybe it'll take a little bit longer than a long play of this game, which seriously, I found two of them. They have both been under 10 minutes. Yeah, I mean... Uh why would they be any longer than that? Honestly, um, I loved the Where's Waldo books when I was a kid. Uh, I used to do them on like car trips and stuff, and they were great. Super, super fun, super detailed, like loads and loads of stuff to find in all the pictures. Like really finding Waldo is like it's like half the fun of those books. Oh, yeah. The rest of it is just finding, you know, all the weird little like unique bits that are going on in any of these illustrations. Uh, but I will say, I, when I was a kid, really did not have any desire to play a Where's Waldo video game because I couldn't really see what the point of that was, like how it would be different or better than just reading the Where's Waldo books themselves. And I think this game kind of bears that out, honestly. This is um, a game that came out on several systems, uh, notably the NES game. The NES version of this game is noted for being frequent mention in worst games of all time lists just because of how ridiculous the concept of trying to do this on the NES even was. Um, it's not quite the same problem here, but it, it's... They also didn't do quite the same thing here, though. Yeah. I don't think. It, it does a better job of actually translating what Where's Waldo is supposed to be onto a cartridge, but you still just see the limitations here. You know, like one thing I was thinking before I played the game again this morning to, you know, be able to remember it fresher and talk about it for the show. But my first thought was that, well, at least this game does a, a much better job at sort of translating um, Martin Hanford's art onto the Super Nintendo. But I don't know, playing it today, I actually don't even know if I can say that. It's it's pretty ugly. It is pretty ugly. And well, OK, so like one of the big issues with trying to do a video game at this time with where's Waldo is that, uh, I don't think that the game systems or televisions of the time were in any way, uh, capable of, of giving you the kind of like, you know, fine detail and like density of the where's Waldo illustrations. So what we have here, for example, is, uh, instead of like a big wide page that you zoom around on, and to be clear, the gameplay here is really where's Walter. You have a timer and you have to like complete, you know, the, the task of finding Waldo and a few other items during that time. 
But uh, you do have just like a magnifying glass and you're, you're sort of scrolling around one of a selection of different of different images to try to find him. But everything's really zoomed in and it's kind of like a wide like scroll that you pan across instead of a big illustration that you like zoom in on different bits of. And um, it's pretty ugly, like you said. It is, it is pretty ugly. And frankly, the doing it this way makes it really easy to find the stuff that you're trying to find. Yeah, I, I don't think that this presents much of a challenge. I don't think it's a good way of presenting Martin Hanford's art. I just don't think this is a good um, outlet for it. Because, uh, yeah, everything is just scaled down so small in his illustrations you just cannot get the kind of personality and detail that you would get from those. And, uh, well, and, and like, so. I don't think these are even like fully like fleshed out illustrations either. They're just sort of like tiles that have been stamped over and over again. Right. Like, cause it doesn't look to me like these have a lot of the like individual little like bits of action going on in them that the actual book illustrations would have had. Yeah. And honestly, I don't even know why they bothered doing, um, any animated parts of the pictures themselves. I think that yeah. that just serves as a distraction. And it also probably meant that a lot of these things couldn't just be, you know, like bitmap images or anything. Like they had to be actual right. sprites. Right. And it's just kind of yeah. like, why, you know? And, and this is another big failing of the game is that there's only like five, there's like five levels. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think there's... Waldo's position can change, but most other things don't. Um, so you know, only the things that you're looking for change their position, I think. I think um, you're right, yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's just not much of a challenge there. And, uh, you know, you, you, you can find other clocks, which I think give you more time. In the expert mode, you find scrolls that'll give you, like, little um, extra things to find within the picture, which is kind of neat. Um, you know, you, you have to find Waldo, obviously. You can find Woof, which will... Uh, unlock a little mini game that is incredibly simple and not. It's always worth your time. the same. It's like a little like auto scrolling thing where Wolf is like flying along, and you have to like move him up and down to collect bones. And it's always the same arrangement. Like it's never. It's literally the same level every time. It's and he's flying like on a magic carpet and like an Arabian setting, which one of the pages i guess if you want to call it that is an arabian setting but the others aren't and he's still in that arabian setting for the bonus level which is yeah weird. right um yeah this whole thing feels ill-conceived and kind of lazy um yeah it does and i mean like a part of me wants to go a little easier on this because it's clearly a game made for very small children but even for that, there's nothing here. And also, you know what else is made for small children? The Where's Waldo books. And they are much better and more fun than this. I genuinely can't see why anybody would give their kid this game instead of just one of the books. Yeah, especially since, like, I think around this time, there were probably four of those books out. And yeah. all four of those books probably would have cost about as much as a video game back then. Yeah, and each one of them would have had, like, multiple times more like content if we want to call it that than this game would yeah like, and i guess you know? that's the thing is that there's just really no reason for this to exist and that's maybe the most damning thing i can say about it yeah uh, i mean that, yeah. that's maybe the most damning thing you can say about anything right like right like why does this exist yeah yeah absolutely so yeah yeah you know i'm with you like i want to be kind of nice to this but I, I just can't. I can't justify anything about this game existing. Uh, and there's not really much else to say about it because there's no. This is, this is basically what we're talking about here is the simplest hidden object game in the world that also has almost no content. And um, yep, that's it. That's that's the whole shebang. And uh, with that, I guess we'll just head over to the list because I don't. I guess so. Yeah, I don't see any reason to belabor the point anymore i mean this is it's pretty much what we got here yeah okay you know what's jumping out at me or like immediately is uh clue at 169 because it's another game that okay uh, they had to change the rules in such a way that it kind of doesn't really work on the super Nin nintendo right yeah i think at least with clue they tried to mix things up you know like they, there was an attempt made to make it make sense on the SNES where mm -hmm. i don't think that same amount of care was put into this game 
No, I think you're right. So let's go down from Clue then. Um, we got Faceball 2000 below that. Yeah, I would, uh, I would probably keep going. Let's keep, I, go, keep going, huh? All right, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like, I would go below Zardion at 177. I think that was a more competently made game than this is. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I would, I would probably still engage with this game instead of Family Dog, just because I find Family Dog so unpleasant. Yeah, that's fair. But but it's I mean Family Dog is arguably a fuller game than this too. Yeah. So I don't know. Skulljagger above Family Dog feels a hell of a lot more ambitious than Where's Waldo. It, so it really does. I wouldn't put this above Skulljagger for sure. Yeah, so, so Yeah. Um I'd be okay with putting it above Family Dog, so I guess that would put it around one eighty two. Yeah. Is that is that where that this one should go? Do you think that's fair, or do you think that just the the absolute lack of anything going on here means this needs to go lower? Well, honestly, I think Wayne's World is such a mess that I would put this above Wayne's World, so I'm okay, okay. with it going one more spot above Family Dog yeah, as well. Okay. I think that's fine. Fair enough, then, yeah. All right, well, let's put it between Skulljagger and Family Dog as our new 182. All right, so congratulations, The Great Waldo Search. You have no reason to exist. <laughs> um that's put that quote on the back of the box from us. <laughs> yeah. Like I assumed this was a game that very few parents actually bought and that it was mostly just a thing they rented for their kids. And I hope that's the case because I cannot imagine the, the parent forking over like what must've been like $60 and like 1993 money for this. Yeah. Game. Yeah. I'd have, I'd have been uh, like, it's just, this, this yeah. would have been really disappointing as a Waldo fan to get. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know what? I had a, th- a thing that I had when I was a, a kid, probably about this age. Uh, I had, you, you know, those like wands, like those big like sticks full of like some kind of uh, a suspension liquid and um, like sparkles. Oh, yes, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I had one of those and it was a Where's Waldo one where it had one little figure of Waldo inside it. And the idea was you just shook it around and tried to peer through all of that stuff to find the little Waldo guy. And I think that game that I, I think that thing probably had, a, a, a you know, more more like play value in it than this video game that like, honestly, right now, if I saw both of those things on eBay for the same price, I would go for the stick. Like, honestly, that's right. That sounds yeah. more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a more yeah. novel concept than this video game. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, I think that is going to do it for today. Three real banging franchises. there, making some real. Yeah. yeah. It's real cracking SNES games, you could say. Uh, boy, a real Wooly designed yep. that Wooly game, huh? Yep, um, I guess Wally's in Australia now, huh? <laughs> That's, That's right. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm good at accents. You're all bad at accents. I'm good at accents. <laughs> all right, folks. Well, hey, thanks for um, thanks for for holding out on uh, for holding out on us for holding out while we were on hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing and a train's coming now. So uh, let's wrap this up, folks. Thank you all so much. You can find me on Twitter or on Instagram at Snescapades if you would like to. And um, hey, listen to all those other shows that we told you about uh, at the beginning. Uh, the greatest gaming game show ever. Catching up on cinema. Drinkopedia. Namely 90s. Um, uh, uh, Cartoon Dumpster Dive. I, I, I yeah. shouted them out as well. Listen to all those. Yeah, please do. Um, show show some love to all the great people making podcasts out there. And we will see you next time for some more games. Hopefully, better ones than this. Yeah, let's uh, let's see what those are really quick. Actually, um, yeah. Oh, hey, okay. So we've got Where in the World Is Carmen San Diego, Wolf Child, and right. WWF Roy. Actually, you know what? We've only got four games left this month, so let's just do Where in the World Is Carmen San Diego and Wolf Child. All right, sounds good. Well, see us. Uh, hope hope to see you back here next time, folks. For Wolf Child and Where in the World Is Carmen San Diego. Uh, almost assuredly, at least one of those is better than anything we played today. And uh, we'll see you then. Until next time, I'm Lee Zero. I'm Steve Punk Link. Play it loud.
our intro outro song is How Now Brown Cow by Technoaxe, who very generously offers a ton of great music for free and royalty free at technoaxe.com. That's T E K N O A X E.com. I know about the movie, like their primary antagonists, like they're, they're on the run from the law, right? Like they're. No, they're. Well, they are at the end of the movie. And uh, yeah, the end of the movie. Uh, they end up having this like huge car chase with like all of the cops in in Chicago and a bunch of neo Nazis that they pissed off. Get cops and neo Nazis go together like peanut butter and jelly. Oh, that's right. We're always getting political here. Now, man, that movie that movie is extremely anti cop and extremely anti Nazi, which means it is correct. It is good and correct. It is correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>